Welcome to today's edition of the College Experts Talk podcast, the resource for parents and students navigating the college planning process. Felicia Gopal, founder of collegefundingresource.com and creator of the College Decision Navigator System, talks with world-class college planning experts who openly and honestly share the triumphs and challenges families face every day in helping their children get into and pay for the colleges of their choice. We want you to feel like you're sitting down with our experts and getting their best ideas without paying their considerable consulting fees. So sit back and relax as Felicia interviews others about the issues and concerns of selecting colleges, competing for a coveted place in a class, and ultimately paying for the colleges that admit your kids. Hello, this is your host, Felicia Gopal, and this is the next installment of the College Expert Talk podcast. Last time, our special guest, Robin Saunders of the... Bronx Library Center, talking about being a career counselor. And we're going to be continuing that interview. So it was so good and so rich that we're just going to continue that uh, with some other questions that did not get answered in our first interview. So Robin, you're here? Yes, I am. All right. So, you know, we were talking about the last is, you know, what candidates need to do in order to be prepared for their job hunt. But out of that conversation, are there common mistakes that you see job hunters make again and again? Which ones do they commit and how do they prevent them? Well, the ones that they do is they don't prepare for it, meaning learn as much as they need to learn about the company that they're applying for. Second, just making sure that all of their ducks are lined up in a row. That means that have a talking point. So that way, when they do have the interview, it can be a conversation and not so much just questions and answers. The next one that candidates tend to mess up on is following the directions, getting the information of who it is that you spoke with, who it is that you're supposed to see, what time you're supposed to be there, what should you bring with you. Those things are very, very, very important. What I do is I find out a lot of people will call the employer the day of the interview and say, am I supposed to be there at 9? Or can I, can I get the exact address? Or should I bring something with me? And those are my pet peeves. Know exactly what it is that you're looking for when you go to apply of these different positions. So as an employer, let me kind of piggyback on that. So one of my pet peeves is certainly the preparation aspect of it, people who don't follow directions. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is people who clearly have not prepared. Yeah. You know, I think about when I go for a job interview when I was still out there looking for jobs, I would, you know, research the company. I would have kind of my questions. I would kind of know what what agenda I had inside of it, what points I wanted to leave the employer with. And when people are clearly fumbling around for those sorts of answers and they haven't really thought them through, it really distinguishes themselves from the people who come in who are prepared and have gone through that process. You know, 
I want to show that I can handle challenges in this way. I can show that, you know, that last job that I was only at for a week, that was just a blip on my resume. And this is why that job was not a good fit. But what I hadn't considered is thus, you know, so that they can kind of address both the positives and anything that is potentially not in their favor in a resume. And people who've done preparation for that are people who stand out from the rest in a job interview situation. You're absolutely right. I noticed that, um, in fact, in one of my workshops just recently, and this question has been the question since the beginning of time, which is tell me more about yourself. And I find that people still have a hard time explaining or, you know, conveying who they are. In addition to that, the next question is, what is, you know, can you give me one of your weaknesses? And people are often looking to see their most weakest points. And that says, if you change the questions around, and let's not say, what is your weakest point? Or what, you know, what about you is weak? I would just reverse it and say, what is it that I can work on? What is it that is not up to par, but I'd like to see me enhance or advance myself? In terms of the question, tell me more about yourself. People get so stuck there. And it doesn't matter to me how long or extensive a person's work history is. They really, really forget how to sell themselves in that area. I would, like I would suggest to people, think about all the things that makes you who you are. Think about different people you might have touched and impacted their lives. Everybody looks at things, um, let's say, at work. Even at work, we impact people's lives. Whether it is saying, ma'am, how can I help you today? Is there something that I can do for you? Or whether it is making someone smile. Talk, talk to me about how you made somebody smile. What was it that you did? What was it that you said? And those are the things that talks about who you are. So a lot of times people just connect it to, well, let me see about my last job. What about ever? What about ever? And so it gives me an idea of who you are if you can tell me the deeds that you've done and what was the outcome of it, good, bad, or indifferent. And so when I listen to the story, that's when they learn that they have a story. And so sometimes people don't even realize that they have a story, and they do. And they say, Robin, can I use this one? Can I use this one? And they say, absolutely. Because it shows how you were able to assist somebody. Maybe they were having a bad day. Maybe you impacted them in such a way that not only did it make them smile, but it made them purchase something. It made them go to your manager to say something nice about you. It made them invite other people to your place of work. Or if you can tell me what it is about you, why I should like you, guess what? If you can do that, then I know that you can sell anything. And I think that's the biggest thing. I agree, because I think that some candidates are not aware that a job interview is an opportunity to sell themselves. I mean, perhaps if you're a little bit more seasoned, you've, you've come to that realization, but not everybody's kind of come to that realization and that we all have value that we can demonstrate and impress an employer with, even though it doesn't look like you always have 
all of the boxes ticked that the employer is looking for. Because one of the things I think is important in today's job market is the fact that, well, let me let me speak for myself. So I value people who can bring in all of their background into employment with me as opposed to just a certain aspect of it. I'd like to think that I'm not the only person who is out there who thinks like that, but I I know that in the digital age where people are being asked to submit a resume online or submit their information online where there are specific boxes, sometimes I think that can be hard to kind of get around the system and put in cardstock paper or different colored paper or any of those sorts of things because they're not asking for you to deliver it in that way. But again, going back to what I talked about is if they're asking for it in this particular way, you've got to give it back to them in this particular way because otherwise you can get eliminated just because you've gone and you're trying to fax it over when they're asking for you to submit it digitally. Well, you're you're absolutely right when it comes to that. However, if if a person is called in for an interview, right, they're called in for an interview, what I try to tell people is that you are the package that you are trying to market. And so when I go in and I meet someone and they are suited well, they're kind, they're not seated before I say, have a seat, their feet are not on the desk, you know, and they sit down and... They say, I say, well, you know what? I took, I love your resume. And they say, but you don't have this one. And then what they do is they pull out the new resume. And I say, no, I don't have that. So there are so many ways that we can sell ourselves, right? Yes. An employer will ask for one thing. Yes, you give them what they're asking for, but when you go to meet with them, You want to leave such a a wonderful impression that by the time that they look down on their desk, they'll realize that your resume is different because of the way that we do them here. Secondly, I think that there's more to it than just the resume, like we say. It's how we interact with one another. What type of dance are we dancing together? The interview to me is the most vital I mean, the, the resume, of course, is a wonderful introduction to who you are, but the interview itself, it can be mind-blowing, especially if you know what it is that you're talking about. You know what it is that you'd like to see happen for yourself. Like I explained to a lot of people, the interview is, yes, you're meeting them and they're meeting you, but it doesn't mean that they're going to hire you, So, or it doesn't mean that they're not going to hire you. But when you get there, you've got to look at whether or not you might not even want to work there. You know what I mean? So a lot of times you think that it's about them hiring you, but what if you're the one who say, you know what, I don't think I want to work here. So you got to look at it. It's a give and take. Both of us have to come to some sort of uh, idea that I'd like to see us both work here. Right. And so when they come in and they meet with me and they sit down and we go over the interview and then I let them go back to the drawing board and we play the interview, the mock interview, and I say, that's wonderful, that's wonderful, but that's because you know me. So what I'm going to do is take you. Let me see if you do the same thing. Let me see if you know how to turn this interview 
into an opportunity that could be mind-blowing. And you'd be surprised what, what people see. And so a lot of times I tell people the best thing that you could do is interview yourself. Look in the mirror. See how you answer the questions. See whether or not you leave these questions open-ended or are you the one doing all the talking and not the listening? Are you just saying yes, uh-huh, yes, uh-huh, to opposed to saying, you know what, I did that before. Let me tell you what the outcome of that was. It is a conversation. It's a dance. It really is a dance. Yes. So what sorts of resources can you, as a career coach, help provide a candidate? What can I, if I was going back into the workforce, think to have you help me with or you can provide? Well, one of the things that when I sit down and I do a consultation, an individual who is coming back into the workforce, the first thing they say is, Robin, I don't have a resume. I haven't worked in some time. And then I say, well, what, what did you do? What have you been doing since you haven't worked? And then they tell me about that, and we write down the pros and cons. And then we talk about what fields that they would like to go into. After they give me an, at least an idea, then we sit down and we begin to develop a career path for them. What education is needed? Should you go back to school for it? Should I just get a job? next to what it is that, is, you know, let's say I want to be uh, an executive assistant. Can I just apply when I haven't been one in a very long time? Maybe perhaps you may have to start out as a receptionist. Maybe, you know, I, I try to get them to give me an understanding as to what it is that they see for themselves from now until, you know, the future. What is it that they go back to? What it is that they enjoy? Like I tell people all the time for myself, I am 48. So it's what kind of impact do I want to leave now to the time of my demise? Where do I see myself? Do I see myself working in this particular field with this particular company? Or And I say, yes, I do. Ultimately, ultimately, like I said, we sit down and we try to develop a career path of what it is that we think you like. And that, and to find you employment that will enable you to do what it is that you enjoy. All right. Are there factors that are changing in the job market that someone who is new to seeking employment needs to be aware of? Well, the job market has changed in such a way. You know, I was talking to someone a couple of weeks ago, and they were telling me that they were into construction, and they were bricklayers. And I said, really? You're a bricklayer? And they said, yeah. And then it occurred to me that that is an occupation that is going. Because they don't build, that. you know, they don't use cement the way that they used to. You know what I mean? You'll see them doing, let's say, driveways, pathways, you know what I mean? But not actually building buildings anymore. And so what I try to do is I try to say to the person, give me an idea what it is that you like, and let's research whether we think it'll be here in 20 years. You know what I mean? And then it was this little girl who said, you know, the, the teacher asked everybody, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the little girl, you know, she went around 
in classroom and the classroom said, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a, a police officer, I want to be a nurse. And this other little girl, she said, what do you want to be? And she said, the job that I want hasn't been invented yet. And I thought about it and I said, wow, a lot of the things that we use today, we didn't use years ago. You know what I mean? And so a lot of the things that existed years ago is not relevant today. So what I try to do is talk to people about researching the different occupations. Absolutely. All right. So is there a different path or a different way that a new graduate should search for a job versus somebody who is a seasoned professional? Well, everything is in terms of search. Hmm, let me think about that. There is. Networking. Placing yourself in areas, in positions where people are where you would like to be. You understand? So yes. if I'm an artist, right, if I'm an artist, and this goes even to my young people who are musicians, right, and they say, Robert, you know, and I'm a rapper and I want to do this and I want to do that, and I say, okay, okay, so what are you doing? And they're like, um, I work, but I don't get the chance to, to go where their craft is. And I said, but, but you've got to do your research about it. You know, and so what we'll do is we'll sit down and figure out where do, where do artists go? Have you gone there? Put yourself in the place to avail yourself to those opportunities. And what happens is that doors do open up. In fact, I was talking to recently Ralph McDaniels from Video Music Box, and he was explaining to me that when he started, no one was doing videos. You know, and so he was the trendsetter there. But what he had to do was he had to put himself in the place where things were happening. And so if, if I'm a lawyer or if I have aspirations on being an attorney or a paralegal, or I would, I would go for myself, I would go to a courthouse. And I'd like to see how it operates. And then I probably would introduce myself to one of the district attorneys or one of the attorneys. We have so many different ways of research and employment now that it was, and years ago, it was completely different. Completely, one, years ago, we didn't have the computer. So the ways that our young people are finding work today, whether it's by LinkedIn, whether it's by Idealist, they get to do some researching online. But in addition to that, they can look to see what it is that they like and then go to an area where people are doing what it is that I like to do. Isn't that profound? It is profound because I remember when I was just starting to pursue financial planning and I was coming from accounting. This will tell you how old I am, but I basically went into the yellow pages. And one of the things that I kept hearing is, if you're going to be a financial planner, you need to be a certified financial planner. Exactly. So I went through the yellow pages and I found all the certified financial planners out in, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area. And I just started calling them and I said, hi, my name is Felicia Gopal. I'm thinking about becoming a financial planner. Do you mind if I either come in and visit with you or you just take a couple minutes and tell me a little bit about what you do? And I just cold called. I mean, today's kids can do LinkedIn. You know, I mean, certainly that's one of the ways that I've been finding guests for this podcast series is I've been having my staff just cold email 
nowadays, but cold email people asking them, will you talk to us about what it is that you do? And I've been very fortunate because I've had a number of really great guests like yourself who've just said yes, because they've got great information and they want to get the word out to more and more people. But you know something, I think that the young people today are exposed to so much that we weren't, I, like I said, I'm 48, that I wasn't able to be exposed to. I mean, the way things are, are set up now where you can think of a, a thought, just a, a simple thought, and then plug it in online, and then you find out that there are a host of other people who have the same thought. In terms of careers, it blows me away when an individual come in and they say to me, I did research on the type of job that I want, and I found out that, guess what? It's here in New York, where I thought I would have to go live somewhere else to do what it is that I like to do. The beauty is, in terms of doing the research and doing the cold calling, is that you can actually ask somebody, being that I'm so interested in this, can you possibly, can I shadow you? You know, or do you guys provide internships or externships where I can learn more about it. I think that there's so many advantages, so many opportunities to our younger people today that it just blows me away. You know, recently I did a job expo here at the Bronx Library Center, and although I'm very new to the Bronx, I'm not new when it comes to social services, human services. I'm not new when it comes to housing and domestic violence chemical addiction. I'm not new to that, but I'm new to the Bronx. And what I learned was I didn't know anybody. So what would I do? So that it took me back to old thinking, which means you've got to do some cold calling. You've got to learn who's in this area. See if you can schedule a meeting, meet with them, see what they have to offer. See what they, they may be able to impart something so powerful that you may pick it up and run with it. And interestingly enough, by the time I finished, I remember sitting there the day of the job expo, and I was saying, I sure hope all those calls paid off and all those meetings paid off, that when I looked up, the place was jam-packed. And that is because, what do they say? You put your foot to the metal to make it happen. We have to make things happen for ourselves. And so even when, when, like I said, in these consultations that I meet, meet with people and I say, listen, we've got to take the bull by the horn and make it happen for our own lives. And so now what is it that you're willing to do in order to make it happen in your own life? So are you waiting for me to do the research? Or are you willing to do some things for yourself? It's not always about, I always think it's about ownership, self-preservation. I, I always believe that, that we have to, like I said, take the bull by the horn and try to identify opportunities for ourselves. And we do. And it's true. So, you know, that's no different from the new graduate needs to take the, the bull by the horns versus the seasoned professional. The seasoned professional hopefully will have a network that has already been developed that they can tap back into. I know that my husband went to grad school in uh, California, and he is often 
getting and receiving emails from the listserv that the college puts out with job opportunities. It's kind of what they talk about with the hidden opportunities. Yeah, you could probably go directly to his company's website, but wouldn't it be easier for you if you had somebody who was already in that company who can walk your resume over to the desk of the person who needs to receive it? That person may tell you, you've still got to go through this other door of filling out your application online, but I already have your resume, so I'm waiting for the other piece that needs to come through so that I could match it up so that we can move forward. But it certainly is a way to, you know, a new age way to tap into it. And I think a lot of graduates, one of the things that I'd like to encourage them to do is use their alumni networks. The alumni networks are awesome, you know, and there are organizations that you are part of that because you were part of that organization, somebody will listen to you or will talk to you because they have an affinity to that. You know, I was looking for the other day for, I don't remember why I was doing it, but I was looking at the Peace Corps, you know, and somebody who's been to the Peace Corps, who has the mindset of somebody who's been through the Peace Corps, just by saying that you just finished your time with the Peace Corps, will probably sit down and talk with you, whereas they might not have done it otherwise if you didn't have that background. And I think it's oftentimes about leveraging. My kids are younger, so I have a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old, so they're a little bit younger, but I know that right now they're in the cookie-selling deal for their schools. And so... My husband made my daughter, she wanted him to take take it into work, and he was just like, I'm willing to take it into work, but you're going to have to prepare something for everybody. So she put together a little PowerPoint presentation, and she was just overwhelmed by how many people were responding to that. But I, I said it's because of what you put into your PowerPoint presentation. They could see that you were somebody who was committed to it because you didn't just say, I'm trying to raise money for it, but I'm also in it because I want to, in this particular case, they were going to give them a limousine ride around town. You know, So if you happen to get X number of sales, then you were going to get a limousine ride. So she was saying that I really want to be able to to get my limousine ride around. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to sell these, but I'm also trying to get my limousine ride. So could you support me so that I could, you can get these things that you want, but I can get this one thing that I want. And people were more than happy to do that for her. And I think that that also translates to job opportunities. If you can show an employer that not only do I have what you want that will help you, but let me show you how it's also going to help me, then um, employers are more likely to even... I'm more likely to take you on as I may not need a full-time you. I may need a part-time you. And if you are willing to work part-time for me, then I can bring you on part-time, see how you all work out, and hopefully we'll develop and we'll be able to have you work for me full-time later on. Exactly. You know something I was just, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about my son. He's in his last year at Morehouse. And he said to me, I remember when he first got into Morehouse and we were trying to decide, you know, which college he should go to and so on and so forth. And, but this really came just as he was getting out of high school. I said that uh, I want you to be able to have an array of opportunities. And so therefore, I wanted to plug him into organizations very young 
that he could get internships with, such as YMCA Global Team. And he had the opportunity to travel around the world. And so when he began to talk about writing in his personal statement all of the, the different community things he had done, that created a whole new dialogue at the table when we were at the college. And what was so interesting is that now he's in his last year of college, and he's, he's actually pulling back to the relationships and the networks that he formed before he left for college. So he's saying to them now, listen, hey, how you doing? Remember me? I'm the guy who went off to college. Well, I'm back now, and I'd like to discuss with you opportunities that you may have for an individual like me. And so, or what he has done is connect himself himself to, like I said, organizations, um, whether it's here in New York or in Atlanta, with the things that he wants to do. And so it was just the other night, he said, um, I know I'm graduating, I know I'm getting my degree. Is it strange that I still don't know, not really sure about what it is that I want to do? And I said, it's not strange. But if we connect you, if you continue to work with the networks that you form, you can guarantee that you are going to discover what it is that you really like to do. Do you understand? So it is important to network. It is important to do research. It is important to prepare. It is important to follow directions. It is important to get a better understanding of you and whether or not you're willing to do what it takes for you to get where you want to go and be in this life. Absolutely. So we are getting close to the end, and I just wanted to ask you one or two more questions. Are there any unexplored avenues to get a job that job seekers overlook? Yes. We call them hidden treasures in their own community. There's a lot of organizations in many of our communities, whether it's nonprofit, for-profit. But if we don't know, if we don't research what's in our community, we will miss the hidden gems. So my suggestion, look up the companies that are in your community. Those are the ones that don't advertise. And guess what? They pay very, very, very well. A lot of times we look for what is mainstream and not what's right before, right underneath our nose. I say research what's available in your community. Find out about the organizations that are there. Like here in the Bronx or in Harlem, there's so many organizations, so many schools. A lot of them are connected, but you don't know who they are because we don't research that. We only research when we need it. But I implore someone, when they're looking for work, look for the, for the job that's in their community. Like I would cold call. I, I still cold call to find out if an employer is hiring. Everything is not on Craigslist. Everything is not on Facebook. Everything is not on mainstream newspapers. There are hidden gems right where they live. And to piggyback on that, I I completely agree because one of the things is oftentimes as an employer, I know I need somebody, but I'm not actively looking for somebody. 
So there's that. So sometimes it's just somebody reaching out to me. If I think that they're a fit for my job, then there might be an opportunity there. So when you're looking for those undiscovered gems in your community, one of the good places to start if you're looking for people that are working in for-profit organizations is with the local chamber. I imagine that the Bronx has a huge local chamber. I know that I live in a town that has a very well-developed local chamber, and I live in a county that has got multiple chambers. There's the Hispanic chamber, there's the Irvine chamber, there's the Orange County chamber, and many different cities will have their own individual chambers as well as maybe tri-county chambers. So there's lots of opportunities and lots of local employers, and if you're looking to return home to your home community, that would be a great resource for you to check out in order to, to find a job, one of those undiscussed gyms because you're right oftentimes we're looking for they're looking for somebody and we may not have it posted up on craigslist or any of the other resources that you are naming oftentimes when you're looking for to work with the larger companies they come on campus so there's those opportunities but you know the undiscovered ones oftentimes will take a little bit more work on your part but i think that's the reality of developing your own career and moving forward into a career versus a job. Exactly. Exactly. You hit it right there. It's knowing that it is not just a job, that you are looking at how you want to spend the rest of your life. You're looking at how you want to begin your life. For young people who are in college, getting ready to graduate, it's like a platter. There's so much available to you, right? And so we have to start with something. And so most of the time, that's when I say you you got to talk to your guidance counselors, got to talk to the career guidance counselor at your school, so that way they can help you figure it out, where you should go from here. But in terms of the gems, the Bronx, I mean, the, the commerces, they're connected to all of those organizations. And so, yeah, I guess that's where I would start, right there. That's where I would begin. I would figure out all of the companies that they are connected with, and then try to decide for myself which occupation would make me happy enough to not only to make me happy, happy, but can I grow in it? Can I make a career out of it? What will it look like later on? You know, it gives me an idea, at least as a starting point. But I'm telling you, the jewels are right there in your community. So, Robin, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and learn a little bit more about working with somebody like yourself, how would they get a hold of you? They can call me at 646-351-9035, or they can email me at Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Saunders, S-A-U-N-D-E-R-S, at N-Y-P-L. Org, New York Public Library. And um, I'm located at the Bronx Library Center, 310 East Kingsbridge Road, on the fifth floor. So definitely, you can give me a call and I can assist you in trying to help you develop where you would like to go. All right. So if you're a longtime listener to our College Expert Talk podcast, you know that her contact information will be in the show notes. 
So to learn more about the college planning process, I invite you to visit our website at collegefundingresource.com. I also encourage my listeners to keep coming back to listen to more of our podcasts and to rate the podcast in our iTunes channel. At College Funding Resource, you'll be able to listen to guests like Robin, who have great information and very valuable information to share with today's graduates and job seekers about how to find their next job. Robin, I'd like to thank you for joining me today and telling us a little bit more about how working with a career counselor can help students and and their families, really, secure their first or next job. Okay. Well, I thank you so much for having me. I also want to thank all of my listeners for joining us today and hope that you will join me again for the next installment of the College Expert Talk podcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the College Experts Talk podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast where we will continue to legally share college insider information with parents and students from the insiders themselves. For more information and to instantly download your free copy of the College Funding Resources Report titled Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Mike Elmore for the College Experts Talk Podcast.